0: Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Just in case you missed the last episode, on Wednesday this week coming, Wednesday the 18th of January at 5.30pm, we have our first live podcast, which is going to be on YouTube, which gives us the opportunity for you to watch, to comment and some Q&A. And the reason we're doing that is because we're going to be talking about the Big Education Challenge. And this is made by bigchange.org. And they have a 1 million prize fund, which is going to be offered to people who have a big idea about how education can change in a couple of different formats. So do join me for that. That's Wednesday, the 18th of January, 5.30 p.m. here in the UK, and we'll have a link to that YouTube channel in the description. Now today I'm delighted to be chatting about Signet education, and I'm joined by Sheila Akbar. Now, Sheila joined the Signet team in the summer of 2010, bringing with her a wealth of experience. Signet Education is there to set your students up for success in college, career and life. And they have comprehensive tutoring, coaching and college admission support from inspiring mentors. I think behind that headline, there's a very human to human interaction that goes on, which makes this a very powerful conversation. And by that, I mean their mission is to inspire a love of learning, genuine academic growth and holistic success in all their students' lives. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Sheila Akbar. Hi, Sheila. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Far podcast admissions. And the idea of bettering yourself is is one thing in terms of getting into university. But I think that idea that actually, whether it's going to college, university, whether it's taking your career to the next level or just living your best life as you move forward, I think the idea of having all these things um, intertwined, I think is fantastic. So I'm very excited about, about how we're going to be covering this conversation. So, yes, yeah, thanks very much for being here. Yeah,
1: thank you for having me. These are my favorite things to talk about.
0: Fantastic. So, why don't you take us into the world of Signet Education and and sort of your role within it?
1: Sure. Yeah. Signet Education was founded in 2005 by a group of um, Harvard students who were really interested in approaching education in a different way. Um, I joined the team in 2010, but the founders are are good friends of mine. And the thing that really drew me into Signet was this philosophy of education is a vehicle and it's not a vehicle to career success, happiness. It's a vehicle into oneself. Um, it's a tool for helping students, whatever the age, understand themselves, their place in the world, and what kind of individual they want to become, what changes they want to make in their life, what things they you know want to be, better at, uh, invest more time into, um, what kind of people they want to meet, what kind of mentors they want to seek in their lives. Um, and so Signet was fi- founded on this very sort of holistic philosophy and very idealistic vision of what I think education can be. Um, and it also serves people in very practical ways, but we are always trying to bring that broader view to students. So even if they come to us for, let's say, algebra tutoring, which, you know, is pretty specific and, you know, might be very just focused on actual uh, concepts and techniques, we try to help students connect that to something meaningful in their daily lives. Because, yes, you know, a high school student may say, oh, yeah, my grades are very meaningful to me, but in a real way, they're not, right? We want it to be something that's, that's taking them forward somewhere so they can see their own growth. So we try to connect it to these things in their real lives. We try to connect it to other things that um, they may be studying in school or or goals that they may have in the future and help them see that all of these things are connected. And if they can seek out those connections, they will have um, a more meaningful life, an easier time at achieving the success that they define for themselves, and an easier time articulating for themselves what they want and who they are.
0: And I think that's interesting then, isn't it? Like you say, that perception of I need to have a certain test score or certain average of everything that I do, that's where the pressure starts to come on, isn't it? Whereas oh, yeah. if you sort of realise that actually this is a stepping stone, it's a tool, it's a way of being, taking me into my path then all of a sudden it has a completely different meaning. And you might still obviously want to do as well as you can. But you realize that there's a succession of these paths. It's not just about the fact if I suddenly have a slightly lower mark, my entire sort of life is ending.
1: Exactly. And I think it really ties to the way we see failure. Um, You know, students often think, okay, either I get a perfect score or a perfect grade, or I'm failing, right? It may not be an actual F, you know, failing the class, but if it's not perfect, then it it must be failure. But uh, we try to reframe this for students. Failure is actually a tool as well. Um, It's not an endpoint. It is an opportunity to reflect on, okay, what didn't I know about this topic? Or what could I have done better? How could I um, have been more prepared or more confident uh, for this exam or this evaluation, whatever it is that is leading me to my quote unquote failure, right? Um, and, And that's the way we want students to see grades as well. It's a measure of your mastery of something or your effort in something. And maybe a B is all you're striving for and that's fine um, or, you know, maybe at the lower grade, if it, it matters even less to you. Um, but it is meant to be a reflection of what you're putting into something. And so if you're happy with the level of effort you're putting in, then you should be happy with your grade. Um, and you know, vice versa. So, uh, if you start to look at grades as not some sort of stamp of approval, Um, but rather a measure of mastery, you start to see them as informative in a different way. It's not an achievement. It's a measure of your progress along a path.
0: Yeah, and I love that idea of it being a measure and also in terms of what you're putting in as well, because you can't put 100% necessarily into everything that you do. And especially sort of in the younger years when you've got many subjects to do, but you also might have lots of sports or extracurricular stuff that's going on. You know, you might decide that actually, you know, time away from all of that, even on a particular day or an evening or whatever is more important for your overall well-being and your overall kind of sense of self and that kind of thing. Um, But it's quite hard, isn't it, to sort of have that when when maybe you get bombarded from the school or you're bombarded from your team or whatever it happens to be. So I think that idea of sort of mentoring and, and coaching really kind of hopefully gives you that sort of sense of self where you can then make those decisions. And it's not about, like I say, hundred percent and everything, or maybe it is, it doesn't matter. It just depends on on your setup and your personality and your way of life and what exactly. you're able to deal with and cope with. And uh, Yeah,
1: that's exactly it. You know, and, and I just add one thing to that. Um, we have control over not only how much effort we're putting into these things that we're choosing to do. We also have control over what we're choosing to do. Right. So if you take this into the, um, you know, the realm of high school, let's say you've got your subjects uh, and you can take them at different levels. You have your sports, you have your extracurriculars, whatever they are. Those are all choices that you get to make. Maybe you're not taking the, most advanced level of every subject, because that's not relevant to your longer-term goals or your interests or what have you. And that's fine, right? You might be able to give 100% if some of your subjects are at a lower level and some are at a higher level. You could give 100% to all of those things, right? So there are these sort of two different... Um, um, avenues that we have control over, where our energy is going and how much energy is going into each of those places. So I always want students to know that because they do feel a lot of pressure, to your point, pressure to get perfect grades, to do all of the things at the highest level and get into you know, what is, they're told are the best colleges, right? But what we're trying to do is help students define for themselves, how do they want to parcel out that effort? and what are their goals, and which universities are going to serve their goals, right? It's not that everyone should be trying to go to Harvard. Um, I went there. I'm very happy that I did. I don't have any regrets about that. But um, I do wish I had some more mentorship when I was choosing colleges to apply to, because I may have ended up somewhere else um, that may have served my longer-term goals better, right? Um, And so we want students to be thinking about this before the fact instead of after, um, so that they can start making those smart decisions for themselves and defining success for themselves. And then they'll be a, a little more confident in their own decisions and less susceptible to those outside pressures that may take things in a different direction.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so just talk us through in terms of know there's not a typical student because everyone's an individual but in terms of sort of that mix of tutoring and coaching and and that sort of admissions kind of scheme to sort of help and support is it very much people just coming in for one thing and staying in one thing do they then suddenly think oh this is a i've entered a world here where i can start to develop and i can sort of broaden out my horizons and and see some other things what's sort of your Atypical or non-typical. Sure, yeah. So, you know, to give
1: you the the broader view of it, Signet does, you know, almost anything that um, you would consider academic support. So, we do academic tutoring, we do uh, coaching, which is a mix of executive function coaching and life coaching. And then we do college admissions work and we do test preparation. Um, so SAT, ACT, things like that. We also do a lot of graduate advising. So students who have finished their undergraduate are looking at masters or PhDs or maybe you know medical school or law school, something like that. We do a lot of coaching on that. Um, a lot of the time people come in for one specific thing. Um, they think they know exactly what their kid needs. <laughs> and then they talk to me or one of my colleagues and they realize, oh, that's just a very small piece of this puzzle. Um, and maybe the reason they're struggling in, let's go back to this algebra class that we, we started with, maybe the reason they're, studying, they're struggling in algebra is because, um, not because the math concepts are beyond them, but because they don't have the organizational skills or the time management skills to be able to keep up with the work or to keep their notes organized so that they can study effectively and, and do well in the class. Um, and so I might say, oh yeah, m- maybe they need an algebra tutor, but maybe they need a coach who's going to help them learn those study skills and organizational skills. Uh, And maybe that's the solution. Um, And then, you know, if they're uh, between their 10th grade year and their 11th grade year, we might also say, Hey, the SAT or the ACT is on the horizon. You know, let's talk about what these might look like for your student based on what we know about them. So, you know, it's a very, um, uh, consultative relationship. We see ourselves as sort of a trusted advisor for any of our families, even if they come in for something very limited and focused. Um, I'm going to ask them about all of the other things, uh, whether they you know, sign up for services or not. Um, I want to make sure they have all the answers they need to make the right decisions. Um, so uh, I guess to get back to your <laughs> more specific question, yeah, they usually come in for something much more specific and then they realize, oh, This is a company that I can work with throughout high school um, to meet all of these needs that I may have or to go to for a sounding board or for some guidance around some difficult things that may be coming up
0: and i really liked what you said about the the reason why any given student might be struggling because i think that's often can be tricky for parents and people in right in the the immediacy of things that are going on like you said you know mm-hmm. it's a maths problem except it's not and 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 so it's only speaking to people one step removed but also with the skills and and then on the knowledge obviously of people that you're working with you can actually you'll probably pick it up very soon but also like i say just by having these broad conversations to begin with you get a good sense of that actually, you know, we can make more progress here just by having that understanding and and showing you the bigger picture, maybe, which maybe sometimes is unseen, like I said, by those that are really close by.
1: Exactly. I think um, oftentimes the advice we're giving is not something that is, you know, some top secret. I'm the only one who's got this information. It's usually something that, um, you know, a parent knows and has been trying to get their student to do but the student won't listen to them because they're the parent, right? No one wants to listen to their mother or father about, you know, X, Y, or Z. Um, so that's one benefit of having, you know, an outside person come in and, and, and work with the student. Um, but you're right, uh, a lot of times other people are just too close to the situation and they may have um, their own experiences clouding uh, their view of what's happening for their student. I talked to so many parents who say, you know, I never struggled with X. So I don't know how to help my student who is struggling with X. They can't relate to them at all. Um, You know, we've got so many families, either a parent has something like ADHD or, uh, you know, executive function challenges and a kid doesn't or the other way around, right? The kid has some sort of um, learning disability um, or attention challenge and the parent just cannot relate. Um, And that's uh, complicating their relationship. You know the the parent child relationship, and so we try to take that piece of the challenge away from them, so that mom can go back to being mom. She doesn't have to be the homework police, uh, and the student can be, you know, the son or the daughter, and then they've got somebody else that is their trusted resource for the things that are troubling them at school. Um, and yes, you know, we've we've seen thousands of students over the time that I've worked with Signet, and usually when a parent starts telling me, Oh, well, you know, someone in seventh grade said this thing, and then we saw this test score kind of going down and then they don't like doing this thing. I'll be able to tell them the next thing that happened. You know <laughs> uh, it, you know, it's, it's pretty textbook. Um, of course, every student is unique and their personality uh, challenges and, and other things that come along uh, with uh, these sorts of cases. Um, but when you get down to it, you, um, usually if you start giving the students some agency and helping them help them understand that just because they're struggling with something doesn't mean they're not learning it. Actually struggling is the best way to learn something and giving them somebody to rely on to help them remember that so that they don't feel like um, a failure or that they're not smart or something like that. um, That is the most effective way to, have a student turn things around, is to really feel like somebody's believing in them um, and giving them the skills and the perspective to push forward through those struggles.
0: And it really does seem, the more conversations that we have here on the podcast, that the idea of community is key. And by that, it's you know all the interested parties to any given um, son or daughter or pupil depending on your relationship because it is that kind of thing like I say the the best you can be as a parent is to be a parent and right. so therefore like I say being the homework police or just being constantly on, on somebody's back because they can't organise anything or this isn't happening it's very hard to do and like I say you really do get into a rut or you kind of hit a relationship which then can be really trying but when you've got like I say all these different people and different agencies there taking part you can start to unpick all of that then you feel like you're doing your job as a parent for example because you're giving them the outlet and the resources and the skills and the and the relationships that they need from the experts and the people that can help because like i say many children don't want to hear (laughs) what their parents have got to say if it's right or wrong just because it is what it is whereas the same advice or something from one step removed makes all the difference and and i think understanding where all of these things fit and and how you actually can bring all these people together to have that sort of as harmonious kind of community as you possibly can. That's a very yeah. different starting point, isn't it? In terms of that yeah. progression and, and 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 that moving into life as you, as you get older.
1: Totally. One of the things that we talk about with our students a lot is um, imagining their team, right? In order for them to have the life that they want to have or the, um, you know, and we're not talking like, what do you want to be in 10 years? We're talking about right now, what is the life you want to have? How much time do you want to spend doing homework or having fun with your friends or playing video games, whatever it is that is important to you. What do you want your life to look like right now? And based on that, what team of people do you need in place to make that life happen? Right. Um, that team might include a tutor, a therapist, you know, some engaging, enthusiastic teachers, supportive parent, maybe an older sibling who knows. Right. Um, That's a concept that we encourage everybody to think through. Every single employee in my company, even the parents, <laughs> who's on their team, right? Hopefully I'm on their team. Um, but who else is on their team? What else do they need in order to be the parent that they want to be? Um, and that involves not just seeking out resources, but accepting that one person can't do it all. And sometimes it's hard for parents to accept.
0: for sure and I think also it comes And little I was just thinking there about that kind of work-life you know balance which I always believe is much more work-life harmony because a little bit like a friend that you haven't spoken to for a long time you pick up the phone and it's like you've you've never been away I I think that can be the same especially in, in young children's lives as well because because what's going on is the fact that you know we've got tests coming up so therefore your life's going to look different then than it is once that's gone and you've got a bit more free time you know so there's time when you're going to be playing and hanging out with your friends and they're going to be really supportive in a different way pre that than after that and like say you've got more social time so you're going to have more of that you know it might be that it's actually something outside of school you know there's a championship coming up or whatever and all of these things kind of there, there are sort of touch points and pressure points and then there's relaxing time as well and knowing where each of these people help you know like i say if, if you've got a if you've got an admission thing coming up then you're going to be really focusing on that and your tutor and your mentor is going to be really important if it's suddenly the holidays and you've got time to sit back and reflect it's going to be somebody else but knowing exactly. where they all fit in and also what time they fit in and how that that becomes part of the, the fabric and the picture of your of your life is is really key and I think even just understanding that that's a possibility just takes the pressure off sometimes and it feels much lighter is, is the way your life is working out?
1: absolutely that that priorities will be different they will shift it's not always going to be this way you don't have to think about everything at once I think that's the thing that a lot of students get really overwhelmed by when they start to think about the university admissions process I have to think about where I'm going to apply. I have to think about what I'm going to write, what subjects, what interviews, uh, you know, what tests. They think about it all at once. And what we try to do is show them, explore for the first couple of years. Take a test in the third year. Then you start to think about what colleges are a great fit for you. Then you start to think about what the essays are. Uh, And you sequence these things. You break down this massive, complicated, high-stakes project into very small, discrete tasks that are done at specific times, where you don't need to worry about the other ones um, at that moment. And it makes it a lot easier to get through.
0: Yeah, and I was fine. that there are two things that really helped me. One is this sense of you can only do one thing now, whatever that happens to be, like you say, whether it's taking a break, whether it's studying, whether it's, you know, looking into something, whatever it is. And you'll get overwhelmed if you're even thinking about the hour after that or the day, week, month, like I say, year, <laughs> however that happens to yeah. be. So so make sure you're present and engaged in what you're doing now. And also the thing that takes the pressure off me quite a lot sometimes is that sense of it's all going to be okay. You know, mm-hmm. that you don't have to have all the answers. All you have to do is to allow life to take care of itself. And it doesn't look the same. It's even your twin, <laughs> you know, because, yeah. you know, your path might be slightly different. You know, your relationships will be different in some way, you know, you, whatever that happens to be. And just feel like, you know, there's a sense of inevitability, even th- even in the tough times, that it's taken you in a direction which is positive if you're allowed to be sort of shown that direction. And I think then you start to feel like you're doing allowing everything to happen but also doing what you need to do because as soon as you start sort of hammering that nail like you said and you're sort of getting too many steps ahead it just becomes unbearable and, and really tricky for everyone involved especially the, the student.
1: Yeah and and the other thing that might happen is you know life is full of surprises uh, and unexpected twists and turns and, and we're also talking about young people whose brains literally have not finished developing and have not experienced, you know, all that the world has to offer in order to be a hundred percent sure that, you know, this is the career path I want to go down. Um, And so we have to leave room for those surprises, those changes. And so we tell students um, to have goals and have dreams, but not to grip them so tightly that they can't, adjust and adapt because they're going to have to, right? We we don't have the luxury of penning our, the rest of our lives at this mm-hmm. moment, right? Um, if you hold it lightly with an open hand, um, you can have a goal in mind. You could be aiming for something, um, but you'll also have some leeway there to play, to explore, to change your path. Um, and I think that that's such a valuable um, lesson to have when growing up that it is going to be OK. Um, and the the goal that you have in mind doesn't have to be so crystallized. Um, we like to have students think about um, a vision for their lives, which might be those concrete goals. If I want to be a doctor, or I want to be an engineer, whatever the career path might be. Um, but I actually am much more interested in having them figure out what are their values, because you can aim to live a life that is defined by those values and that goal won't change. Right? It may take a different form, but you're still living by your values. So that's some really important work that students can do now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think all those things are, are incredibly true. And I think, and, and I also I love hearing, because in your own head, you sort of hear what you're talking about and what you believe in on and on. And I love the fact that as I speak to more and more people, you have this sort of sense of truth that's articulated in a different way, and I think the more people hear that, they start to work out how that works for them and how they mm-hmm. articulate it in their head and how they see their path, which I think is is really fascinating and, and a really mm-hmm. really um in- interesting sort of development in my in my life as I'm sort of learning oh, and chatting great. to more and more people. It's always interesting people who are involved in education afterwards to, to know, is there a teacher or an education experience which had an impact on your life and sort of how, how was that? And also sort of maybe how that sort of worked into, into the way you work now.
1: Yeah, I, I have to say uh, throughout my life, my teachers have always been the most impactful uh, mentors and, and most influential just humans that I admire. Um, And I think from a young age, I always wanted to be a teacher. Uh, My parents uh, did not want me to go into education. They wanted me to be a medical doctor, um, like my brother, like my father. Um, So there's a lot of pressure that I was up against. But um, I was always so compelled by my teachers. Um, And it almost didn't matter the subject. Um, I had favorite teachers in, in really every subject. Um, A couple of them that really stand out to me, though, uh, was one is a science teacher from fifth grade, Mr. Corcoran, um, who really just made every lesson come alive. I never felt that he was following a very rigid lesson plan. I never felt that what he was explaining to us or demonstrating to us in the classroom was ever captured by anything in a textbook, um, and he wasn't just uh, paraphrasing a textbook in his in his lectures, you know. Um, and he really cared about each of us and made the lesson uh, interesting to each of us in in a very special way. Um, and I think that's why I've gravitated so much to one-on-one education where really that's the norm as opposed to in the classroom where you're kind of teaching to the middle. Um, So he was, he was really influential. I felt that he saw me as a person. Uh, I felt that he cared about my success and I was so excited to learn from him. You know, anything that he wanted to talk to me about, I was, I was ready to learn from him. Um, And I really want to be that for my students so much
0: and i think what you articulated there is is the key to so much of what i hear it's how how you were made to feel or how you have felt in in their presence like you say them having your back rooting for you giving you something like you say beyond the content and and also when they're really into their subjects in their way of teaching they do that and i think you're right it's the special teachers that can feel like it's a one to one lesson even in a in a larger group in a classroom yeah. and and however they go about that and I, and I think there is no right or wrong way of doing it because it depends on your personality and how you come across. But it's, it's such a key thing and it's the thing I, I love hearing about. It. Now, is there a piece of advice you've been given or maybe a piece of advice you'd give your younger self now that you'd like to share?
1: Yeah, um, definitely my younger self could use a lot of advice. <laughs> uh, not sure she would listen to it. But when I was um, coming up through high school, um, I felt a lot of pressure to not necessarily please other people, but to meet other people's expectations. You know, my, my parents had very high expectations of my academic achievements. I felt competitive with my older brother that I had to kind of outshine him in some way or get yeah. out of his shadow. Uh, at least um, there were um, cultural expectations, um, you know, an in, in immigrant family. Uh, from South Asia, living in rural Michigan. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a very interesting combination of dynamics. Um, there were also just some societal um, expectations that I felt you know I, I had to meet. Um, I also had a lot of expectations of myself because I just thought, you know you aim for the stars and you end up on the moon. So why wouldn't you have the highest uh, ambitions? Um, and I think what I wish I had someone in my life to tell me was, you know, all these ambitions are great, but you really got to figure out who you are first. And that's going to determine how you go after those ambitions. Um, it may change those ambitions as well, but it's not the what, it's the how. Um, and. You know, not that I did anything that I would regret or, you know, compromise my values in any way, but I really didn't know who I was until I went through the process of uh, going to college and feeling like a failure because the thing I thought I was going to do ended up being something I didn't want to do at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, you know, switched my career path three or four times um, before I finally figured out what it is that I wanted to do and then I feel like I meant to do which is now running Signet and, and being an educator and a, and a small business owner um, but you know I was I was a pre-med I worked in publishing I worked on Wall Street trading oil and gas derivatives uh, then I became an academic uh, I have two PhDs uh, I taught in university for many years uh, and I really enjoyed it and, and everything I was doing I, I got a little taste of something that I loved. Um, and only now at Signet am I able to put all of those things together and really love every bit of my job. But um, I I wish I had known uh, myself a little better as I was going through all of that, because I think I wouldn't have felt as much like a failure. I would have embraced the process of exploration and I would have focused more on those things that would stick with me, the, the hows um, and not so much the what.
0: Yeah, I mean, that dichotomy is incredible, isn't it? Because like you say, you've had that journey and it's obviously perfect for you because it's got you to where you want to be now. But like I say, if you'd had those conversations with somebody else or with yourself as a slightly more knowing person younger, then it may well be that that path would have been slightly different but still got you in the same place. But you may have taken a slightly different turn which might have been more supportive or not, whatever. But like I say, Mm -hmm. unless 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 you hear it, how can you do anything about it? And I and I think you put it beautifully there. It's that sense of, as a young person, I may not have taken it on board, but if you haven't heard it, then you've got no idea of what that is. And so I think that there is a, a kind of a nice little balance there of just give it out to the world if, if it's important, which we know it is. And then each person takes it on and their journey then gets developed from that. And uh, and it was something I, w- I was told before. It's that kind of, you know, should you say the right thing or the wrong thing or... And once I kind of got to a sense of just say it if it feels like it's the right thing for you at this particular moment, and no matter how it's taken and how it's received, it was the right thing, even if it looks like it's blown up or whatever. You know, it w- it was the right thing to happen at that particular time for all the different sort of vested interests in the different personalities that you've got around. As long as it comes from, like I say, a loving and authentic place, then then I, th- I think it, I think that's kind of the key element
1: there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, going back to where, I, where we started, you know, failure is an opportunity to learn. We learn through struggle. And I wouldn't be able to do the job that I'm doing today if I hadn't done all of those other things. Um, and so even if you start down one path and it looks like there's a brick wall at the end of it, there's something you can take from that path, from that experience into the next thing that you're doing. And that's the lesson, right, that we all need to to embrace that, um, you know, the world keeps turning, we're all making progress, we're all growing. um, And the more aware of, you know, sort of the lessons that the universe is giving us, uh, uh, the more aware we can stay, uh, better off we're going to be with the next thing that we try.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, is there a resource you'd like to share, and it can be anything from a podcast a video song film book or it could be personal or professional but something which has had a some an impact or something which stays with you
1: yeah um actually this is a fairly recent one uh a friend of mine has a book coming out uh, it's coming out uh i think in a month or two it's called permission to speak the author is samara bay um she is a professional dialect coach so she works with actors um, to help them, you know, change their voice for various parts. And one of the things that she's come upon in doing this work is all the ways that we modulate our voice to sound authoritative or powerful. But in the end, because we are changing our true voice, we are giving away our power. And her whole thing is about really understanding the things that have happened to you in your life, the things you've been told in your life that make you feel you need to change some other way, be some other person, sound some other way to try to dismantle those and understand the source of your true power, which is akin to what, you know, we always say at Signet and finding your values and then understanding who you are as a person. Um, And I think that is a really valuable message. Um, And I'm really excited that she's got a book coming about where she gets to tell this whole story. I've seen her give talks before. And of course, I know her personally. Um, But that's one that I would encourage really everybody to check out because um, that voice that we use to speak is how we have relationships, is how we get work done, is how we learn. It's even how we talk to ourselves in our own head. <laughs> it's how we think. Um, so I think uh yeah, focusing on that, um, that permission to speak as you are, um, is so important.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it fits so beautifully with what you were saying before about being yourself and not putting you up against other people and all of that. And I love the fact that's a real, well, it's practical and and it's more. Yeah. It's a bigger conversation than that as well, but you know you can sort of actually physically hear what that difference is and how that may may come about. And uh, yeah, I love that. Really great. Yeah. Um, and just as we as we start to round up, the acronym FIRE is part of educational fire is really important, and by that we mean feedback, inspiration, resilience, and empowerment. What's the thing that strikes you the most when, when you hear those four words and maybe not necessarily one which is important, but the, the thing that sort of comes to mind?
1: I think it's the empowerment for me. Empowering suggests that I have the power and I'm giving it to somebody else. What I want to do with teenagers is show them that they already have the power. They already have a lot of the answers that they need. For figuring out, you know, the next stage of their life, who they want to be, what are their values, what's their vision, all of that. Um, and as children grow up, you know, theoretically, parents should be giving them a little bit more of that own, that agency, that control. Um, and I think we've come to a place uh, for a lot of different reasons, some very legitimate and, and some maybe less, um, where parents are holding on to that control. For a lot longer with their uh, children um, than they used to. You know, the pandemic is still happening, Um, but of course, when it was at its height, uh, every parent just tried to control the situation to keep their children safe, right? Um, So that's one of those legitimate reasons, right? With college admissions, particularly U.S. college admissions, they've become so selective, so competitive. Parents really feel the need to control their students' educational plan and progress so that they have the best chance at getting into whatever university. But the more control the parents keep, the less growth the students are going to experience and the less ready they will be. To succeed at whatever university they're going to go off to. Um, So I guess I'm going to twist it a little bit. I think that empowerment is more of a a re-empowerment. They already have the power. It's just revealing to them that they do have it, giving it back to them um, and letting them use it in their lives. I think that's very important
0: yeah i love that i love that sense of allowing it to to shine and and to come through because you have it already rather than even giving you the ability to learn it or to do it like i say or let alone share mine i i think that's so so beautifully put and so um and yeah, it just it just strikes me as that you can connect to somebody and open up a whole way of kind of of just connecting and, and changing people's mindset about everything in, in, in just that one phrase and understanding which I, I really, really love. Okay. So just as we just as we finish. Tell people where they can they can find out more about everything you're doing. But also we we haven't talked about, which we should have probably done before, in terms of, of who can get involved as well, but in terms of where, where they are in, in the country, in the world, um, oh, yeah. and, and how that kind of works too.
1: Sure, yeah. So um, find more information about Signet at signeteducation.com. Uh, You can find uh, a lot of really great stuff on our website describing our services, our philosophy. We have a really valuable blog that really is all about kind of the things that we've been talking about today and how to actually do that with teenagers. Um, And then very practical information about the college admissions process and testing and and, all of that. Um, I also share a lot of content on LinkedIn. You can just look me up, Sheila Akbar, um, and you'll see I'm sharing, you know, kind of tactics and tools and, and uh, this sort of wisdom. Um, you can also email me, Sheila at signeteducation.com. I answer all of my own emails. Um, and then in terms of who can get involved, we work with clients all over the world. Um, it, you know, really uh, every continent except Antarctica, um, uh, we've got clients. Um, so that shouldn't stop you from, from reaching out. We do focus on teenagers, so typically eighth grade and up, 13-year-old or, or higher, um, with those focuses of academic tutoring, coaching, uh, test preparation, college and graduate school admissions.
0: Fantastic. Well... I think that gives everyone food for thought in so many different areas, which is why I love these conversations, because what we're able to do with the podcast is so much more than the landing page of a website or, or what people have found, whatever. It kind of gives that, that humanity and and humility in terms of of what's going on and the people involved, which I love so much. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing all those insights and all that wisdom. And um, yeah, and thanks so much for your time.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. This was a lot of fun.
0: Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've created 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com.